0: Edward Willett has authored over 60 books and has been writing for almost three decades. He's also a professional actor and singer. And today we're going to be talking about his latest anthology, Shapers of the Worlds, Volume 3. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If you just joined us you are watching the writer's corner live show our guest today is edward willis and we're going to be talking about his book shapers of the world's volume three our show is brought to you today by Streamyard, um creative edge and be live media so welcome to the show whether you're watching us over on facebook on linkedin on amazon live um on twitter on youtube a hearty warm welcome feel free to engage with us say hello to us in the comments if you like um we are watching all the comments so we'd be happy to engage with you so before we bring on our amazing uh, author for today one of the things that we're very passionate about is helping you as an author level up when you appear online to talk about your book because thanks to the pandemic um it was a very difficult time for people to pivot into appearing online to talk about their books, doing book launches online. But I think we've kind of got to just a bit used to that. And so here is just one or two quick tips to help you level up when you do that. Now, when you go live on your phone to talk about uh, your book on TikTok and on Instagram, you'd be holding your phone in portrait mode. And this- correct because on those two platforms, you'll use the entire screen real estate holding your phone in portrait mode. But here's a quick tip if you are going live on any of the other platforms like um, Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, um, then you want to turn your phone into landscape mode. That'll get rid of those two black lines you will see on the side um, of the screen when your phone is in portrait mode. So just go into your settings, uh, take off the lock mode, turn it into landscape, then uh, that'll solve that problem. A quick other tip is you want to use some kind of a tripod or stabilizer, whatever these, there's a gazillion of these things available, kind of take your pick and use what you like in terms of a tripod. And if all else fails, if you are traveling and you're on the road, and you want to do a quick um, insight into an in-person event or just talk about your book take your phone tape it to a window it's as easy as that the angle will be 100 correct at 90 degrees tape the window and you'll have front-facing lighting um, you want to avoid lighting from behind because that's going to make you appear dark and uh, not a great view for your audience so those are some quick tips and of course other thing you can do to level up is possibly get something like a a clip-on lavalier microphone um, if you want to or need to improve your sound. So let me get my amazing co-host and friend to join us on screen, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She's an award-winning author herself. She's also a special needs and disabilities advocate, a ghostwriter, um, and check out her latest book called Cheers from Heaven. Mary, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: I am wonderful. I'm excited to be here and excited for our author. We have had him on before and we just love chatting with him. He's one of the
0: busiest guys we know, right? Absolutely. So if you've (laughs) never met Edward Willett before he's a professional actor and a singer, a former newspaper reporter and editor, and currently a full-time freelance writer and editor for I think almost three decades. My goodness. And he's got over 60 books to his name. And he's also the host of the podcast The World Shapers. And we'll ask him a little bit about that as well. So shall we invite our amazing guest to join us? Yeah. Edward, welcome. Glad to have you back on our show again. Always lovely to have you.
2: Glad yes, to be here.
0: How are you today?
2: I'm doing fine. I uh, hope there's not too much noise in the background. Just as we got started, some workmen came into my backyard. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're hammering <laughs> okay. and sawing. That's, that's what that is. All
0: right. It's real life. <laughs> we're, we can go with it. We can go with the flow. We're, we're pretty easygoing. so. <laughs> We can't we can't hear anything. So 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 all good. So you've had an interesting journey into becoming an author, and you know how you developed your love for writing. Um, for anyone who's not seen you on our show before, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started as an author? Now I know you still got a copy of your first book somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> or your first sort of yeah, foray I... into writing. <laughs>
2: my first actual novel was this uh right here it's from your childhood yes uh, i written, remember written when i was about uh well i know exactly how old i was i had just turned 14 when i started it um and it was for a school um project i guess you'd say um our teacher had required us to do uh um a page a day of writing. And I was always way ahead of everybody else. And I I carried on and wrote a whole novel. But I'd started before that with a short story when I was about 11 called Castor Glass Hypership Test Pilot, which kind of shows you where my my mind was set. It was going to be science fiction because I had two (laughs) older brothers who wrote science fiction. And I just carried on from there. I wrote three novels in high school. And I knew I wanted to be a writer. I went into journalism. I was a newspaper reporter, photographer. I was editor of a newspaper at the age of 24 in Weyburn, Saskatchewan, my hometown. I did some communications work for the Saskatchewan Science Center here in Regina, Saskatchewan, where I live now. And then 30 years ago next year, um, I quit my job and became a full-time freelance writer. And that's what I've been doing ever since.
1: Nice, and you're so busy, and you're extremely productive, which is amazing and inspiring for those out there. Like, I don't even know how to get started. Well, you just need to talk to Edward because he's on a rocket roll with his books, hmm. aren't you? <laughs> so, yeah, um, I mostly,
2: I mostly feel like I'm not as productive as I should be. That I take too much time doing other things. That <laughs> so isn't people that great. tell me I'm prolific, and I think, well, I could be more prolific if I worked harder. So, um, yeah, it, it's funny how you you get. Different views of what from inside it feels different than from what people see from outside, I think.
1: Sure. And so we want we do want to ask you about your podcast and how you got started. And your podcast is called World Shapers. For anyone out there who does not know you the name of your podcast. So how did that all get started?
2: Technically, it's the World Shapers because I couldn't get worldshapers.com. So I got the world shapers.com. The
1: World Shapers.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, well. In 2018, uh, I had a novel coming up from my New York publisher, Daw Books, called World Shapers. World Shaper, and it was going to start a new series, which it did. That ran for three books uh, with Daw, and um, at, so I thought about doing a podcast because, among other things, I'd hosted a radio and p- program at one point. I also hosted a TV program, a local phone-in show about computers. The radio program was uh, about arts and culture. Uh, and, of course, I had that journalism background, so I knew I could interview people. And uh, it just took me a while, as it often does, to work my way through the, uh, the learning curve. But I managed to pull it together and start the podcast at the same time as World Shapers, the book, came out, which is another reason why it's called The World Shapers. So that was in 2018. And because I've been in the field for a while, I, I know a lot of authors, so I could draw on some pretty big names to get me started. So my first four guests were Robert J. Sawyer, John Scalzi, Tanya Huff and Julie Cernada, all pretty big names in the science fiction and fantasy field. Uh, and I went from there. Once I had interviewed, had some interviews and, you know, people would say, oh, you're a really good interview. That's what John Scalzi told me. Uh, and he's been interviewed a lot. So I guess he knows. Uh, uh, it makes it pretty easy now to get to get guests. And in fact, I have publicists contacting me to have authors on the show. I do a mixture. I, I've done biggest names in the field, like Victoria Schwab and Joe Haldeman and Garth Nix and people like that. And occasionally I also have people who are just getting just getting started or independently published as well. So I try to do a mix, but I always draw on those those big names to keep the interest high. And yes, I'm up to episode 100, and uh, the next one will be 117, I think. It should have come out this last weekend, but I was traveling, so I think I'll push it off for another week. <laughs>
0: Well, and I mean, you—you've got the perfect voice for <laughs>
2: Boy, thank you for doing nice.
0: this sort of thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't take any credit for that; I just inherited it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so the world shapers uh, or shape of the world. But did you always intend that to become a series? Was that by design or by accident?
2: Well, it was kind of by accident. The the, the shapers of World's Anthology came out uh, because I'm a member of Sask Books, which is the Association of Professional Publishers in Saskatchewan. In fact, I'm vice president at the moment of the organization. And um, at our annual meeting in 2018, so the podcast, no, 2019, I guess. So the podcast had been running for a few months at that point. Uh, we had somebody who came in and gave a presentation on crowdsourcing, kickstarting, and anthology. Uh, they were from Winnipeg, and they had uh, they had comics connections and comics world is really big on Kickstarter. So uh, with that connection, they raised a hundred thousand dollars for this anthology. And I thought, hey, I know some authors. (laughs) So, again, big learning curve, uh, climbing up there to get to the point where I was willing to to attempt a Kickstarter. And I put it off a bit longer than my initial thought was, but in um, a few months later, I reached out to everybody who'd been on the podcast in the first year, because that seemed like as good a way to cut it off as, as any, and asked if they would be willing to contribute either a new story or a reprint to this anthology. I promised to pay professional wages, which are not huge in the science fiction field, but 10 cents a word Canadian for new fiction and half that for for reprints. And uh, the, I got enough people that said yes, uh, and so I launched the Kickstarter in a really good time, um, March 2020, when nothing else was going on in the world or in the news or anything like that. So I managed to launch my first Kickstarter right in the teeth of the pandemic starting. And, uh, but it it succeeded. And since it succeeded, I said, well, I'll try it with the second year guest, which I did, which was Shapers of Worlds Volume 2. And it succeeded. So I did it with my third year guest, which is Shapers of Worlds Volume 3. That succeeded. So I fully intend to attempt a kickstarter for shapers of worlds volume four this coming spring and you know as long as i keep doing the podcast and as long as the kickstarters keep succeeding uh, i will keep putting out these anthologies
0: it that sounds that's wonderful amazing. yeah that now you so in a, over three decades you've published over 60 books do you have like a magic formula for pushing out so many books in a relatively short space of time
2: uh right. <laughs> I don't have any magic formula. Uh a lot of those, to be, you know, modest, are are short books for educational publishers. They're intended for the library market, so they'd be like uh, twelve thousand words or something like that. Uh, so they were fairly short, but they didn't require a lot of research those, because I have done biographies of everybody from the Ayatollah Khomeini to Jimi Hendrix, to name two extremes of a spectrum. Uh, I've done uh, science books on topics like elements. And they were quite short, though. Like I did a book on magnesium. I did one on neon. I did a book on uh, the basics of quantum physics. Uh, So those are short. But there's some longer nonfiction in there, too. I did Genetics Demystified for McGraw-Hill. I taught myself genetics and have forgotten everything I learned. I'd have to read the book again to remember (laughs) what was in it. Um, And I've done local histories. the only formula is that that's what I do is I write. It's my job. And if people come to me and need a writer, uh, I am unlikely to say no as long as they're promising to pay me.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and the that's, There are some right. things
2: I wouldn't write, but nobody's asked me to write that kind of stuff. So. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's important that you get paid. Um, so you do write under a pseudonym. So what made you decide to do that?
2: I was just marketing. Uh, my mm-hmm. first book with DAW Books was called Mars Seguro. It was science fiction the sequel was Ter- which won the aurora award for best canadian science fiction novel see i slipped that in there yes uh, Ter- nice
1: Ter- congratulations
2: Ter- Ter- Insegura. What the sequel was the second one and the one and uh, oh actually my first book was lost in translation which they picked up from another publisher and put out in paperback that's how i got in with to begin with Then i had two more so i had three science fiction novels but they said well fantasy is selling better right now We'd like to give you a fresh start in the marketplace, so your next book should be fantasy. You have any ideas? Well, of course I did, and um, we'll put you under a different name so that you're, you get a fresh start, and also so that people who think you're a science fiction writer don't get confused and this will be a fantasy writer. So I became Lee Arthur Chain, which is the middle names of my first my older brothers and myself: uh, Jimmy Lee Willett, Dwight Arthur Willett, and Edward Chain Willett. So Lee Arthur Chain, and. Uh, I wrote a book called Magebane, which is my biggest book to date, 150,000 word standalone fantasy, and with some steampunk elements, and that was great, and uh, you know, had a starred review in Publishers Weekly and all that. But my next thing that I proposed was so much different; uh, it was more of a YA book, and they don't have a YA line, but it had a 15 year old female protagonist, and so they suggested that perhaps I might to do a different pseudonym and use initials so that for people who cared, they could think I was a woman if that made a difference in whether they wanted to read a book by a 15-year-old girl from (laughs) a male or female author. Uh, Whatever. We didn't really hide the fact that I was male, but we didn't also trumpet the fact. So I was E.C. Blake, which is my initials again, Edward Chain Willett, and my nephew, Tori Blake Willett's middle name. My mother suggested that one. And if your mother suggests it, then of course that's what you use. Also, Blake had the advantage of being higher in the alphabet. So on those bookstore shelves where they put things alphabetically, it would show up at the top of the shelf, whereas the W's are always down at the bottom somewhere. Uh, and that was that. I did three books as E.C. Blake, and then they let me become Edward Willett again. And I've been Edward Willett now for my last five books with DAW. For myself, I mostly use Edward Willett, although I did put out one book through Shadow Pop Press as E.C. Blake, um, because that's my f- fantasy name. And who knows going forward? Um, I've also done a house name where I was uh, Adam Blade for a, a series called uh, Beast Wars, which is a children's series that uses a bunch of different authors all writing under the same name. So there's different reasons to doing it, but my preference is always to write as Edward Willett.
0: I can well, I can well imagine um, this. Now, your anthologies—you've got some of the most well-known uh, authors in there. How do you get to select them? Do you have like a specific formula for deciding who you want in in your in the anthologies, or you know, do no, people all, ask you to be part of your anthologies?
2: It all goes back to the podcast. Every every author was a guest on the podcast, so that's the only formula. Whoever I get for my podcast, I ask at the end of the year once the August flip over rolls around because it started at the beginning of August 2018. I'll ask those authors if they would like, and usually when I'm interviewing them, I ask them as well if they think about it. And uh, that's that's all there is to that. And the reason there are so many big names in there is because I do make a point of reaching out to some of these, the biggest name authors. And as I said, even publicists from major publishers are now will reach out to me and see if I will have an author on. So I have some coming up that are unfamiliar to me, but that were uh, they were pro- I was approached by you know Penguin Random House or somebody like that if I would have an author on. Um, so it's, a, it's it just is what it is. And uh what's interesting about it is that because I interview both fantasy and science fiction writers, I interview, I interview middle grade authors and young adult authors, uh, you end up with a very eclectic mix of stories in the anthology as well. There's no theme like some anthologies, like I've been in themed anthologies, which are like what if the old gods were doing things in the modern world was one always and the modern deity's guide to surviving humanity, that one was called. Um, And in this case, it's very much there will be hard science fiction, fantasy, steampunk, everything under the sun uh, shows up in the Shapers of Worlds anthologies. It's all fantastical is the only real uh, thread that runs through them.
1: I think it's amazing. You're so multifaceted and you're right. There are some folks that are strictly the niche for podcasting, for book reviews, for everything, but it um, it allows you to fulfill all that, you know, um, all the different loves and passions that you have. So would you, um, okay, uh, let's, um, you want to read us, can you read us just the introduction to the book?
2: Uh, sure, if I have time. Um, it's about four or five pages, so. Oh,
1: okay. Can you, do you want to do one page? You know, just.
2: Probably too long to read the whole thing. Okay. Um, um, basically I'm looking for a new metaphor for what the book is like. And, uh, this is how I came across it. Um. That brings me to this volume and I find myself in need of a new metaphor. As it happens, the very day I'm writing this, I took a long walk in the prairie outside my home city of Regina, Saskatchewan. The prairie is deceptively simple in appearance. When you drive through it in a car, all you see is the flat land stretching to the horizon, brown or green or white, depending on the season. And it's easy to dismiss it as a monotonous place with little variety. But when you walk on the prairie or indeed in the forest or any other natural environment, you quickly discover that in fact, variety is everywhere. On my walk this morning, I startled a bevy of quail from a wheat field. Grasshoppers leaped out of my path. A yellow butterfly fluttered by. A hawk circling overhead called. A gopher skittered across the road. And once I was out of the wheat field, there were more plants beneath my feet than I could identify, except for the nettles. They're hard to ignore when you're wearing shorts. And I know that in the soil, earthworms tunnel, microscopic fauna thrive, and microbes multiply. All of these forms of life are different from each other, unique and fascinating. In a way, every species is a world unto itself full of mystery. Scientists spend entire careers studying a single species without learning everything there is to know. Multiply that by the number of living things in every acre of prairie in the complexity is mind boggling. Yet when you view it from a distance, all you see is the prairie. Similarly, when you look at the cover of this or any anthology, all you see is the cover. Um, Some of these authors may be familiar to you. Some you may never have heard of, but all have crafted tales set in worlds of their creation. Each tale is a window into that world. Some of those worlds are much like ours. Others are very different. Some tales take place in a single corner of the world. Some span all of time and space. And each author like the multiple species I encountered on my walk in the prairie this morning is a world unto him or herself full of more stories for you to discover in novels and short stories and poetry.
1: Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much. We are so grateful to have you on, and we cannot wait to have you on again soon um, because we have to keep up with you because you're you're moving so fast. So we've got to keep up.
2: <laughs> yeah, right up till I keel over, I'll be, I'll be moving. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my Thank goodness, you. Thank you so much, Edward. We'd love to have you back. When is your next book due? Because we definitely would want to schedule and just talk about your next book. What's next for you?
2: Well, The Tangled Stars is my new uh, novel coming out from Daw Books. In, it's interesting. It's not coming out in print. It's only coming out in ebook and audiobook. book. Uh, and that comes out October 18th. Uh, so I'd love to come back and just talk about that one. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Fantastic. Absolutely.
0: We'd love that. We'd love that. Let's schedule that. Um, Edward, thank you so much. Thank you, our viewers. Thank you, everyone, who's uh, going to be catching this on the replay. We totally appreciate you. And if you're watching us over on Amazon Live, Edward's book is In the Carousel. There's so a and Grab a copy of that and have you back um, to talk. Yep. To talk soon
1: about it. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much, Edward. And we'll see you soon.
2: Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye.